I got love for you, man. You know what, I'm <laughs> what are we talking about? You know, I'm not here to start any trouble. I'm only going to say nice things about you from now on. I think you're handsome, and I think you're a wonderful host. I'm fat and I'm overweight. Just don't say anything silly. I was waiting for you to say that. I'm not laughing about it. You think this is funny? I take this serious. You know, I don't want y'all to take anything that out of context that I'm saying. He's very funny. He likes to joke around a lot. As a personality and as an entertainer, yes. This is going to be really quick. I'm not taking any questions. Go ahead and get comfortable. I'm going to talk for a little bit. You're listening to Cabby Presents, the podcast. Welcome, 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 welcome. As Jay-Z says, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind. Anybody also says you could be anywhere, anywhere else in the world, but you're here with me. So I thank you for clicking and downloading the Cabby Presents podcast. I'm your host, Cabby Richards. And uh, for those of you guys who have, uh, who have uh, you know, clicked and logged in on iTunes and, and, and left comments, I really appreciate it. Thanks for the love. Even if, like, uh, you know, even if you don't really dig the combos, I'm still happy that you're listening to them. One of my co-pilots who's been in the chair next to me many times rejoins me. His name is Neil Scott. Thank you for coming back on the podcast. Um, why were you limping today? Good to, good to be here, my friend. So, seriously, I'm not going to... It's been a secret, but I'm going to tell everyone now. I don't care. I am on day 11 of insanity. Insa- oh, insanity. The, that's like the... Uh, the what is that? PX90? is like it's, it's the next version of PX90? Yeah, but you don't need weights. So, the best thing... Like, I didn't want to have weights, like, dropping them in my condo and stuff. Like you're getting that. ready for the summertime. Is that's that- exactly what I'm doing. And you've been telling everyone how fit I am. So I've watch, been telling people it, it, you mention it like you'll say oh how, you like to go running you like oh you you've been telling people I've been telling people no I tell people when I'm on the treadmill yeah, like you the girl tell people I don't tell people like oh yeah my friend Neil's in great shape I don't no say but that. on this you'll be like yeah you you run a lot and stuff so when people see me they actually go oh, this guy should be skinnier or I tell the girl <laughs> next to me on the treadmill I always say the same line that uh, I just finished lifting. Right, yeah. When they take one look at my arms, they, they know it's not true. So I bought <laughs> this thing, okay? And and it's driving me nuts because it is it is insane. Like there's no like I am a puddle. Like I hit play, 30 seconds and I'm a puddle. And you know the guy that hosted, Sean T. No, I I don't I, I haven't done P90X or Insanity. So I'm I know it exists, but I don't exactly know what you're doing in your condo. Well, the first time you've been in my place all windows, I've closed the blinds. First of all, right off the bat, because I do not want anyone to see what I'm doing. Second of all, his name is Sean T, like Ice T, Mr. Oh. T. Like, it's just Sean <laughs> is T. Is he we, as jacked as Mr. Oh, T? We are so intimate, too, because he just looks right at me, and we're running <laughs> together. <You're> looking- <laughs> it's like a non-sexual, intimate relationship. And I, and he brags sometimes. I kind of get mad at him. Like, today, he was stretching. He's like, you could pr- I can't go any further because my quads are so big, but you could probably. And I'm, like, pulling it right up. <laughs> But he's dry. so I've been going around for eleven days, right, and limping everywhere, and I've been dropping compliments to everybody every time I go somewhere. I tell everyone how thin they look, how great they look, waiting for someone to say something back. By the way, you look great. <laughs> I, I'm not saying anything. You say you, you, I'm dropping all these. You're one of those guys. Yeah, just, I'm, t- I'm telling everyone, guys, I'm gained... complimentary for, for so for you can get a compliment in return. Absolutely. For eleven days, I've been doing it, and not one person has said back to me. I'm saying this to people that have gained weight. They're not even. Not one person said, "Hey, you look great. What are you doing?" One guy said to me, one girl and guy separately said, "I look like I gained weight." Gain weight? Yes, in 11 days on Insanity. I cost $145, 
and they tell me I gained weight. Have you gained weight? weight? No, I'm telling you, I'm losing. You, you, now I feel I've gained it. I'm going to go no, do a session. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to make you neurotic. I'm just asking. I don't know. You're wearing a black T-shirt today. Because black is thinning. That's all I have now. I went shopping the other I'm wearing orange. Yes. <laughs> but you do look good. You're, you're, whatever. You're whatever. I don't want to play. Like, like, uh, like uh, uh, Jules Vincent, like uh, Samuel L. Jackson says in Pulp Fiction, let's not each other already. <laughs> let's not bleep each other's bleeps already. So we have a very interesting guest lined up uh, for this particular podcast. As you saw in the description, or if you're listening to this on the radio, Sean Foley. Tiger Woods' swing coach has agreed to come on with us and talk about his process, um, you know, his journey, and all things involved with instructing golfers achieve what they need to achieve, which is grab a, a slice of a giant purse. And um, man, like Tiger Woods is is so fascinating, uh, and and I met Sean. Uh, a long time ago through his brother. His brother and I worked together on a couple of television shows. But Tiger, like, he's, like, what a phenomenon. And um, and our first guest will tell us a little bit about what it's like working with the golfer that changed the game. He's on the phone right now. If it's going to be uh, an interview, I'm going to conduct it. So I'll answer my own questions, ask myself the questions, then give y'all the answers. Joining me now is a man with an improbable journey uh, who now occupies one of the most challenging jobs in sports. Uh, although he's, uh, he's mild-mannered, he's very highly strategic. I know this because uh, he's beaten me about seven times in chess. And uh, an intelligent man who holds the job title, of Tiger Woods' swing coach. Sean Foley, welcome to the show. Hey, Cabral, how you doing, bud? <laughs> I'm very good, man. I'm very good. I may have embellished some of that. Yeah, the, the chess bit, I'm, I'm, I'm not that. I'm actually not that good at chess. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm sure your brother, Kevin, who's probably listening to this, uh, to this interview, is probably laughing right now at my embellishment. But yeah, you are, you are, yeah he, he, he knows you well. <laughs> you are intelligent and strategic, though. That's, that's, that's a fact. Because even in our, our limited conversations, like, you're always very particular and like, very detailed about the way you explain things. And uh, your brother, Kevin, affectionately calls you Machine Gun Foley because yeah. uh, he, he, he feels that you're, you, you talk more than him, which is hard to imagine, if that's true. Well, Do you agree? You know, it's funny. I took, uh, my mom was always telling me when I was a kid, you know, you... You have two ears and one mouth, and, and you know that was I, that was it. Always, I talked too much. I talked too much, and then uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I took a test uh, on how I learn, and I found out that I was a interpersonal learner, which means that I learned from speaking. So there you go, right? Ah, there it is. So mom was mom was trying to shut down the evolution the whole time. <laughs> Shout out to Donna Foley. God bless yeah. her. And and uh, and I I also want to give her a shout out because. A long time ago, uh, when I was working with your brother Kevin uh, at uh, at another network, we're working on a, a basketball show and a, and a baseball show. Um, your parents let me borrow their car so that I can go have Christmas with my family in Brampton, Ontario, so where my parents live. Uh, so yeah, that, that that sounds like that sounds like my parents, you know. Yeah. So shout out to Donna and shout out to GI. 
Yeah, correct. Yes, yeah. So, um, so okay. As like a as like a swing coach, Sean, what is what does your work week look like? I mean, if, if well, typically if I'm I'm on the road, I do about twenty three uh, events a year on the PGA Tour, and I will have three to four players there. The players will be. Uh, Canadian Stephen Ames or Hunter Mahan, uh, Justin Rose from England, um, or Tiger. And uh, typically there's always three. So I basically get to the course probably uh, 7 a.m. and I get back to the hotel about 8.30 at night. So it's, uh, it's, it's you know, it's pretty much always in the sun. So, you know, you got to make sure you stay hydrated and nourished. And uh, I walk probably 18 to 27 holes a day, which is probably close to eight or nine miles, and uh, spend a lot of time on the range, uh, just stand there and watch my players. So a, a work week is not full of sitting down very much. So, Dude, eight or nine miles of walking in a day? Yeah, 18 holes at a professional event is probably close to six miles. So I'm doing 27 holes. Uh, yeah, probably probably eight to nine. Uh, I remember one summer I was working with six players just before I started working with Tiger. And uh, I ate the same. I did everything the same, worked out the same, did everything the same. And in three months, I lost 23 pounds. So wow, I couldn't, dude. I couldn't lose 23 pounds. So, you know, there's the, um, you know, I love doing it. And, well, I don't, I mean, I love my family. I don't really love my job. I like my job a lot. But, um, <laughs> That needs that needs to be pointed out. Um, and you're but, not a bit you're not a big dude, so 23 pounds is a considerable amount of weight. Like what do you, like I'm like what are you like five eight like 150 or something 145? No, I'm like five seven like 166. <laughs> I like that you came in with the with the exact. Listen, I wasn't trying to insult you. I'm not saying you're a, you're a, you're a, the, the size of a jockey. Like you can go jump on. I'll have another and win uh, win the the Belmont or whatever is coming up. I'm just saying you're not you're not a huge dude. So 23 pounds. No, no. I, I like to you know. I like to uh, I like to point it out. One of my one of my buddies who's uh, he plays on the European tour. His name's Robert Rock. He's 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 quite a cool individual. He picked me up some shoes in London. Uh, the, the dress shoes called Jeffrey West and. I'm about five nine in those, so that's worth the three hundred quid that they were, right? <laughs> nice. Of course it is. Of course it is. It's all about. Uh, it's all about uh, what's not appearance, but uh, perception. Hey, you can't. You can't. Uh, the one thing I've learned, you know, is you can't pick your genes. You know. There you go. Yeah, you can only. Do, you only work with the uh, the cards you're dealt. So when you um when you're at a, a a tournament, you have as you said three or four guys that you're working with. Are you constantly like? How do you manage your time? Like bouncing around from 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 player to player it's i mean it's pretty much organized chaos really um you know it depends like you know most of the year everyone's been playing pretty well um you know they've been playing quite well but you know i think what happens is sometimes one or two is suck you know is struggling more um than the other one if someone's going really good i just avoid them because um you know, you got to let them stay in that state and kind of not be tinkering or thinking or analyzing. Just kind of let them go and let them, you know, let them play, let them practice. But, you know, for the most part, I just kind of have my, you know, my checklist. So when the guys warm up, they get set up. Um, I, I generally have good communication with their trainer to find out or, you know, or their therapist to find out, you know, physiologically where they're at, if they have any limitations in their movements. Um, you know, we've got it down to about as an exact a science as we can. And, um, I mean, I don't like to leave anything. I never guess what I could measure. So, 
you know, that, that's, that's important because a lot of times guys will come to the range and say they have uh, poor hip mobility so their pelvis isn't moving the same way in a rotary manner. And I notice that and start trying to get in the turn more. And next thing you know, their lower back's hurting. So, it, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of money up for stakes on the PGA Tour now. So it's brought, you know, these purses. Are, I think the guys are playing for $294 million in purses this year. And wow. Like that's total? Like almost well, $300 when, million? Dollars? Yeah. Well, when, when, when Tiger came out on tour, uh, the purses were $69 million in in. So that would be in 14 years they were at 294, and that's only um, that's there's only one person responsible. Of course, so it's grown yeah. four times in 14 years. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, it, exactly. It's grown four times in, in 14 years, and that is the, that is only on one man's back. So that's what you know. That's what's kind of you know makes it sometimes annoying with all the you know the daily referendums and criticism on them. You know, we should just be saying thank you and just trying to you know trying to support and just everyone stay out of his way and let him do what he needs to do. But, you know, unfortunately in 2012, you know, anyone with a Twitter account is, is an expert, right? So that's, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. that's, that's currently, you know, it's one of the things you have to, you have to deal with, but uh, I find a lot of it quite humorous. Well, John, as a local kid from Burlington yeah. and Scottish dad, Guyanese mom, right? I have a Scottish dad too. Did you grow up on the course playing with your dad? Because I still play with my dad once a week. Yeah, no, I didn't start playing golf till we were living in San Fran when I did, and I used to just, you know, I never really played much. I just went to the range all the time with my dad. I was fascinated with trying to get this thing to go. You know, I remember at the first driving range we were at, they had these kind of turned on their side empty gasoline barrels, and, you know, I would sit there for hours until I could hit them, you know, and, uh, that was kind of to me was was very uh, was interesting when I watched people who hit the ball really well just to watch the ball fly through the air the flight and lack of curve or just all that was really cool to me so I never really had an affinity for playing the game but I practiced nonstop so um, you know we lived in Burlington by the time we moved to Burlington we'd been to Delaware San Fran L.A. Vancouver and then I did high school in Burlington. We lived in the development Millcroft, which is just on uh, Upper Middle and, and Appleby Line, where they had a nice little golf course there. Um, so, you know, we used to we used to play there, and you know, I played with my dad, you know, fairly often, but he he didn't like uh, playing with me because I used to I used to I used to lose my head pretty fast. So. <laughs> so, so hold on, but here my dad drives all of us nuts because he's a stickler for the rule. And you know when you're just playing Saturday, Sunday, I, I mean, you follow the rules, but, you know, if it's in a divot, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll just move it or, you know, right. little things like that. No, my dad, every he went to St. Andrews to get the rule book and drives us nuts. Like, if you stand behind the putt, two-stroke penalty. You ask me what club yeah. I hit on the, you know, when you go to a part three and I'll say, Sean, what did you hit? And you go, seven iron, two-stroke penalty. That's the right way. This <laughs> first thing he says. Is, that, is your dad driving nuts with rules or is he just, uh, is he a calm dude to play with? No, my dad plays the winter rules in the middle of July, you know? So <laughs> It's it's brutal. Now I I did a big thing. I took a lady friend this weekend. It's gorgeous here in Toronto. To my right. course, which is in uh, Copper Creek there, and uh, I took her to the range. I don't know 
And I've never done that before. It's a big step for me. So have you ever, before you met your wife or anything, did you take her to the range or did you ever have that golf date or, or, or are you a fan of that or, or do you agree with it? Well, my, my advice to you would be that if you if you take her, that's cool. I wouldn't advise you to try to help her. Um, <laughs> have you seen my the, game? You've seen the my mechanic, game. <laughs> Sean, like just trying to like the, the physical closeness yes. that you can get to a woman with teaching her how to open up the, the pelvis and all that yeah. kind of stuff. That, that would be rewarding, I would imagine. <laughs> You know, I'm sure if it's his lady friend, he's got many opportunities to do that. So I, I would, I, I would, I would avoid, I would avoid that. I actually met my wife uh, giving her lessons. So there you go. There you go. Oh, okay. All right. Match made in uh, on the 18th green. Match, match made. Match made. Remember the old, remember the old dome at Dorval Drive, the golf dome. It was, it was on the QE and Dorval Drive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dome. Yeah, it was, it was in there. So she'd come in with. Uh, her mom and dad, she was a businesswoman, and she wanted to learn how to play golf because uh, she felt there was a lot of men who were not equivalent in business skills with her but knew how to hit a golf ball and were getting more deals. So she was determined to learn. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, we got a four-year-old and uh, a nine-month-old uh, both running and crawling around the house here in Orlando. So you just never know where uh, you never know where things are going to end up. So wait, so, okay, well, hey, congratulations, first of all. But, Sean, why do you... Why don't you advise uh, men to take women on golf? Or sorry, to show them how to golf. Why is that? Why why is that an ill-advised plan? It's just I've just been around, but I've watched it. It's not. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not. We used to do. I used to do, when I first started teaching golf. I was twenty, and we used to do golf schools in Fort Lauderdale, and Nashville, and there was some of them were couples, which were typically they were married or or been together for however long. And we used to bring the women on one side of the range and the men on the other side of the range. So, it's, it, you know, we, they, these women had three, like, you know, skilled professionals, but their husbands still knew what was better for them. So that, that it's just no, I just don't think it's, it's a good thing to give advice to each other on anything. Just be there, you know, be supportive. If, if they ask, then, then you tell them, but... But, uh, yeah, not, it's not a good move. I was actually more mad because I've been working on my swing, and it looked great, but nobody else cared. They just watched her, like, the whole range, because it was packed, right? I mean, it was, you know what it's like, right? Well, and every guy was doing that thing, trying to give her a little advice, trying to, yo, do this or do they're that. They're just totally trying to, they're just totally mowing his lawn. Yeah, they were stealing this lady friend of mine, who's not even my lady friend. Let's just get that. This is just a process. Ah, uh, lady friend, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I guess I, I guess if you're a single guy, uh, they're all potential lady friends, aren't they? <laughs> so you're not that far removed from the single scene. <laughs> yeah, you just I'm sure you just want to be friends with her. I'm sure that's true. Yeah, they just they just want to have nice conversations, Sean. You know, just yeah. uh, talk oh, about uh, politics and uh, you know world events and you know uh, men. You know, men, women listening will understand that. We haven't probably changed since we started walking up. Right <laughs> no, no, we haven't. We're still <laughs> knuckle-dragging Neanderthals. Now, like, I, I understand that. I, I, I'm not a golfer, but I understand golf is, like, such a mentally challenging game. So, like, when you – how do you weather the highs and lows as, uh, as like, your, your confidence gets challenged when your clients um, aren't winning tournaments or are not – achieving their goals like does that do, do you shoulder that responsibility or those results as well just you personally you know i've kind of learned i've been out on the pga tour now for i think this is my seventh season and i was out there at like 30 years old so i was really young for a coach and i'm still young at 37 but um 
you know, I used to be super attached to it. Like, you know, good day was like, you know, out to dinner, couple of beers, top of the, you know, top of the world, bad day, head down, not talk to anyone for two days. And then I just said to myself one day, I said, you can't live like this. And, you know, the fact is I charge guys a percentage of what they earn. The percentage is basically, you know, equivalent to the caddy. So the percentages give the, the percentage itself, like, you know, the key in life is to look at things with reason and logic. It's not to be emotional because when we're emotional, we're stupid and we make bad decisions and we, and we create stories and fictions that aren't even real. Oh, uh, do we ever? Oh my gosh. You, know? you can apply so, that you can apply that to every relationship, man and woman. <laughs> and like it's just apply it to every single everything. Yeah, and, no doubt. You know, it, it's this illusion that we live in in our mind, this world around us is not even real. It's just whatever we've created and, and I you know, the more I I've been reading stuff. I've always been, I've always loved that stuff and, and, and trying to understand more. You know, when I was a kid, someone insulted me and hurt my feelings. I wanted to get to the bottom. Why it did? Why did, why did this hurt when you know it's not true? So I started studying about ego and, and evolution and how we are the way we are and why we still are, why we're not extinct. And basically, you know, to me now, it's like all I can do is, is the, all I can do is do the best I can do and I can only influence the things that I can influence. So, you know, guys could be, you know, guys could be playing golf. It's interesting when you find out on tour sometimes. Um, a couple of guys I don't coach, but I know them um, fairly well. Um, and last year they really had bad years. And, you know, this year um, they've been playing a little bit better. And I asked them, you know, what's going on? They were like, you know, I was just going through the end of my divorce last year and it was uh, terrible. And right. So, you, you know, you got to realize, man, life is difficult. And, um, you know, the key is to be resilient to your emotions. And, and I think the only way to be resilient to your emotions is is that, you know, when adversity comes, you have to accept it and realize that it, you know, that it's it's a determining factor on you being a strong person is dealing with is dealing with the stuff that, that happens to you. And a lot of times, you know, the stuff that happens, you've got no control over. So, it, you know, that that's kind of it is you have to learn to let go. Um, but then realize that, you know, if guy's paying you 5% of what he earns, he's basically telling you that, you know, by that estimation, I'm worth 5% of the victory and I'm worth 5% of the bad performance. So, you know, when you look at it like that, you know, someone's paying me 50%. Now it's probably, I'm probably going to have more sleepless nights, I guess, because now there's a much more responsibility and ownership on me. But, you know, I'm just kind of here as a, you know, I like to tell my guys why. I don't necessarily tell them how. I mean, every guy I've worked with on the PGA Tour was on the PGA Tour when I when I met him. So, um, you know, you look at, like, for example, Tiger. By the time I started working with Tiger, he won 14 majors in, in 70, uh, 71 tournaments, or uh, 70 tournaments on the PGA Tour. So, I mean, if he continued winning majors and winning tournaments, then we're going to say, well, you know, Tiger's just that great. And if he didn't keep up at the same rate that he was previously at, then you know, then I'm a terrible coach. So that you just know, I mean, you just have to be realistic and realize that that's how people are going to be. But you know what? I mean, from when I first met you, Cabby, in 2000 to this point, I've always kind of walked to my own beat and I've never really, you know, I know that life is about how I feel about myself and, and, and that I have to come to truth with that. And I'm not really that interested in, in what um, other people see when they're, you know, sitting on uh, in the, the armchair quarterback seat because, you know, until you walk a mile in someone's shoes, man, you don't know what their reality is. So I like that you got very esoteric in there. Like, it's like I, I was like, I felt like I was in a philosophy class. Like, you were like some combination of Phil Jackson and Nietzsche. So, um, hey, you know what? I've, I've, I've studied, 
I, I've studied a lot about like John Wooden and Phil Jackson, and, and I look at them as coaches. And you know, I learned from Phil Jackson um, in doing interviews. I've never heard Phil Jackson answer one question he's been asked. Like I've watched him redirect it, so he's in control of it. And so, hmm. uh, you know, my hey, manager, don't do that. Don't do that here. Yeah. Don't do that with well, us. It, 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 yeah, but you're not trying to set me up. I mean, half the time, I'm, <laughs> half the time they're trying to, you know, set me up. And, and in 2012, where, you know, back in the day, you know, the main publications are Golf Digest and, and you know, obviously uh, the New York Times and USA Today. You know, a guy have to write basically one article a week and now guys have to write you know three or four blogs a day so um you know it's not very thought out it's it's not very processed they know that if they put drama on there they're going to end up getting a lot of hits which is going to lead to advertisements so you know i realized that you know i'm the only one responsible for my current situation is because uh, i worked to this position and then i accepted the jobs that i've that i've taken where there's going to be a lot of scrutiny so i don't really pay attention man. i just I, no one criticizes me more than myself, and uh, I try to do it in a constructive way. And uh, but I'm grateful for where I'm at. You know, where I'm at in my life with uh, with a wonderful family, and, and that at 37 I've been able to basically live out professionally most of my dreams. Um, the goal now is just to come up with you know with 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 more reasons to keep going and and and, and keep trying to get better. But you know, golf is just like anything. You know, it's a game of ups and downs. So. You know, my guys won four events in six weeks at the start of the year, and in one of the other events, Tiger finished second. And so that would have been five in, in, in six. I could probably teach out there for the next 15 years, and that may never happen again. So you know you're going to get stretches like that, and then you know you're going to get stretches where they're all just playing terrible at the same time. And, you know, you know what's... You know, so that you just have to accept it. That's just the way it's going to be. Highs and lows, man. Highs and lows. Okay, so you mentioned earlier that at 30, you became a coach, which is really young on the PGA Tour, and you're now 37. How did you get there, Sean? Like, like you, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier you bounced around when you were a kid, and you finally landed in Burlington, Ontario at, in high school, like 14 years old. But then coming at, from Burlington, Ontario, to the greens of various PGA course, uh, PGA uh, courses. Excuse me. How did you get there? Well, you know, after I left Burlington, I received a golf scholarship uh, to Tennessee State in in Nashville. Um, so I went down there. I graduated in ninety, uh, I think ninety seven. No, not, I did the five year program ninety eight. Shout out um, to the five years, yeah. You're talking right? to two of us. Yeah, I only did the three year. I'm more of like a, a Kanye West. So, but uh, hey, right? hey, at least you, at least you have the document on the on the, on your wall, man. Yes. Well, you can be more like Kanye West. I'll just be like Rock him. Um, <laughs> ah, nice, very nice. <laughs> right. So, so I, I went down there and did that and started teaching golf like at 20 um, in the summers when I was in summer school because I wasn't particularly fond of school. So I I t- I was so I was so not fond of it. I did it 12 months a year for three years in a row. So that's kind of a strange, uh, kind of a strange thing. You think if you didn't like it, you'd take the summers off, right? But oh, uh, yeah, you just have to grind it out, huh? Well, you know, just to how, much, how minimal can I do this and, and, and get by so I can get back to the golf course. But, um, you know, that, uh, that whole time frame being down in Tennessee, you know, I was at a historically black university and coming from Burlington, um, or not even Burlington, just Toronto, Canada in general, for the most part, you know, we have our issues up there, but they're so much more individualized and, 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 and not seen nearly as often as, you know, when you're in the South, um, 
That's a and different. So, it's a different. It's a, t- a different world, like a total culture shock, almost. Yeah, it's, no, it's completely a different world. Is it from from an economic standpoint to an education standpoint to a, to a cuisine standpoint to a you know the the whole to a religious standpoint. Yeah, the cuisine. I like the the different. cuisine. Like, how much weight did you gain eating macaroni pie? <laughs> you know, like biscuits. Like, you, you must have put on you some know, weight. That weight was, gravy. No, that was those nice times, dude. That was that age when it didn't matter. You just the metabolism handled it. Of yeah. course, yeah, yeah. You just eat whatever you wanted. Of course, yeah. Right, right. So, so you know, now I now I eat really well. I work out. You know, I work out pretty religiously, and I still can't see my abs. Whereas back then, I, just, <laughs> I, I eat fried chicken and drink St. Ives every single day, and I, I you know I looked like one of those uh, men's men's uh, underwear models, but not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, any- and then I worked. I worked at Glen oh, Abbey. Sorry, uh, right. yep. No, I worked at Glen Abbey from '99 until 2006, and, and somewhere around 2006, you know, we were doing really well at, at home, Kate and I. And, and but I just felt like, you know, in in most cases, you know, people in America don't even know that we have a prime minister. So I'm sure they weren't going to know that there was some young golf coach up there who was having success with competitive players. So. We decided to move down to Orlando and kind of basically felt like it was 1999 all over again. No one knew who I was. Uh, Orlando was is one of the golf hotbeds of the world, so there was so much competition. Um, and then about two months after I moved down here, Stephen Ames, who's a Canadian, uh, he's from Trinidad, but he's a Canadian citizen now, um, he called me because he was having some back problems, and it was all technically... Uh, uh, his technique was responsible for it, so we uh, we started working, and then about a year later came Sean O'Hare, and then two weeks after Sean was Hunter, and then oh, and then here Quinn say hi to Peter. Hi Canada. Hey, what's up? Nice. That's the mighty Quinn. So. Nice. <laughs> okay. Um. So came Hunter, and then. Uh, from Hunter uh, came Justin Rose, and then you know, and then came and then came Tiger. So it you know it it helped obviously that that Tiger was very fond of all three of them. But you know, it's also fair to say that um, as good as they were, um, as good as they were, they all they all improved a lot. I mean, Justin Rose is 17 years of age when he finished fourth in the British Open, and then when he turned pro, he. You know, he was kind of a can't-miss kid. Normally, that's not a very good title on you. And, you know, we just won four tournaments together in the last 22 months. So things are, uh, you know, thing, things are things are good. So, Sean, is there, uh, now outside of the PGA Tour, is there a list of, like, high society people that might have reached out to just get a little bit of help on their golf swing? You know, it could be, like, Clinton or Mark Zuckerberg or anyone like that because you're so... Your client list is so huge, you know, well known with Tiger. Is there anyone outside of the golf world that's reached out for some help? Yeah, you know, I've met, you know, I've met a lot of people. Um, I met a lot of people. I've worked, you know, worked with a few people, and and uh, give us names, Sean. We want names. You can't don't 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 paint in those broad strokes. We want you know, I, I, you know, it's, it's 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 really. I don't think it's for me to say, but, but yeah, you can I mean, say, but Sean, you can tell us who you've met. I mean, you don't have yeah. to say like your what your relationship yeah, you know, is I've with met, these people. You know, I've met you know, I've met people like Jordan, and I've met people like Jordan and and and, uh, and and Gretzky and and Condoleezza Rice and President Bush, and you know, I met all those uh, you know a, a lot of people in Hollywood and and stuff like that because you know, golf is people are 
you know, people uh, like to play golf, and, and, and typically in those cases, a lot of those people have uh, more money than they know what to do with, so you know they're playing golf. And, um, you know, it's all right. I mean, the thing is, it's it's like, you know, I'm, I'm coaching probably, I'd have to argue, he's got to be in the top three most recognizable faces in the world. So, um, you know, I mean, Tiger, I, I think he's got to be the most recognized athlete in, in the world. And, and, you know, when he when he continues to evolve and gets better and better and better, I mean, if, if he's to do what he wants to set out to do, he'll probably go down as one of the greatest athletes ever alive. So, you know, being around, being around him and being around, you know, uh, uh, Jordan or any of those guys, you know, people are just people. They're just really good at what they – they're just – complete outliers, outliers among outliers at what they do. Um, but, you know, they take their kids to school, they pick them up, and um, I've just never been that fascinated at all. And it, I've, I don't, I've never had an autograph in my life. I've never really been. I think the to me where I would probably lose it is like if I met someone like a Nelson Mandela or something. That would, nice. probably, have, yeah. that nice. would probably have me freaking out, you know. You know, being out there for years, it's, you know, I knew, I knew Tiger to say hello, and, and I've watched him. I mean, I watched him play and practice a billion times. I mean, as many times as you could watch, knowing that you had to work with other people. And um, I was always a fan. I mean, I was always a fan when Tiger was 14 and 15, and he was doing surreal things like we'd never heard of um, at that uh, at that kind of age. The distance he was hitting at me at Mount that he would win tournaments by, and just how intense he was and focused and driven. And so I've always been a huge fan uh, of Tiger. And... Uh, so at the PGA Championship, you know, I, I he called me and he said, I'm on the range. And uh, it was like probably 2 o'clock in the afternoon. There was a lot of people watching on the driving range and uh, all the media around. And I, you know, you come out over the putting green here in, at that Whistling Straits in Wisconsin, and then they build these big kind of walkways for the pros to go over the crowds and then back down. And so I'm up on that walkway, and I'm looking out on the range, and, and there's Tiger. So I called my mom, and I said, uh, uh, turn the golf on in about uh, one minute. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see me walk by. You know? and, and I'm just sitting up there, and then I walked down, and I was just like, all right, you know, here we go. So, it, you know, it was funny because I was, like I said, I've always been such a fan, and I've always, you know, I've paid so much attention to him when I've been at tour events. That it wasn't like I just had never met him or had lunch with him or anything like that. So, but it was different in that standpoint. I mean, I knew at that that you know I knew at that point that life and, and life was going to be different uh, um, was going to be different um, forever, and uh, you know, and it has been, and in most good ways. I mean, you know, you get the you know you get some of the stuff, but you know, you the only things that stress you out are the things you pay attention to. So, I mean, if, if, if most of the time we're stressed out about stuff, it's just because we're actually allowing ourselves to think about it. We, we could think about, you know, um, you know, we could think about gratitude. We could think about how fortunate we are. We could reflect on how far we've come. I mean, it's our option as people to, you know, what our mindset is, is we've let ourselves there. So, um, it's all good. So, okay. So Sean, so, so tell me how you navigate this. You're working with, the greatest golfer of our generation. You he has all kinds of accolades. I think you said seventy wins on the on PGA tour on the PGA tour before you started working with him. This is a tremendous talent. 
And then you are confident in your abilities because of your track record and because what you've read and what you've learned playing the game. How do you ba- how do you navigate between giving instruction to someone who already has all that talent? And then on the other side, it's like, I don't want to overstep my boundary or I don't want to... Um, I don't know. It's maybe being like a little unsure of, oh, man, what can I teach this person who already has had so much success? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's some things that have to be there's some things that have to be worked on or 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 different just based on the fact that, you know, he's he's had some, uh, you know, he's had some Achilles issues and, and and four knee surgeries before I ever met him. So, I mean, that, you know, you have to work. You know, you have to work with that in mind. And then the fact of the matter is, look, when the ball's going up in the air and it's, you know, maybe starting left and curving to the right or it's going higher than normal or lower than normal or it's going more right than normal, um, that's just geometry of, of, of a flat surface hitting a sphere. So when the flat surface of the club face that, you know, obviously has loft, so the face points up and it points up and it points out, um, you know, it's, understanding that so whether it's the greatest player of all time or it's you know someone who's just trying to make it on the pga tour um the reasons that their ball does what it's doing is it's all just a scientific equation so that's kind of you know that's that's really it then it's getting to understand who the who the person you know who the person is i mean i've had players who when they're warming up at a big event and they're in the thick of things and we're teeing off at one o'clock they just want me to talk to them the whole time they're on the range. Ah, uh, you know, okay. You know, whereas whereas in, in other places, players' cases, um, I just sit there and I don't say a word. And if they have a question, they'll call me in. So it, it, you know, you got to learn on, you know, are they visuospatial? Are they kinesthetic? Are they heavily auditory? So what is you know, if you've got a visual learner and all you do is talk at him, he's not going to really learn very much. So, so how how long did it take you to learn that with Tiger? Like right. I'm, I'm probably still, I'm probably still not there yet. I mean, right. it's you know we've worked together now for I think about 18 months, but probably you know five of those months he was in a walking boot, um, yeah. and then there's the month kind of leading into that, and then there's the month uh, after you, the month leading into the the injury, and then there's the month after the injury where there's really not a whole lot of work done. So from a time standpoint. Um, I feel like, you know, we in man hours, we've probably only spent like 10 months together. So, you know, whereas Stephen Ames, it's been, I know it's, I know it's Stephen, I, I basically know what Stephen's going to shoot just when he says hello in the morning. So Really? Like you, yeah. you just get a sense of him like right from the, right from the get-go? Well, you got to remember, it's like, you know, human, human behavior is just patterns. It's just patterns. There's nothing, there really is. I think MIT did a study, and they said 95% of daily behavior is 95% automated. So, you know, it takes it, t- it takes time to learn what people's what people's patterns are, and you know, we see the effect we see the effect in people's behavior, but we're not always quite sure what the cause is. So, you know, I know with my other guys, when something's on their mind or something's bothering them, or 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 when they feel really confident and really good, and I go out and walk nine holes with them, and all we do is talk about, you know, the Lakers or whatever, anything but golf, because I know they're prepared and they're ready. I can, you know, you can see it in their eyes, really, and you can see it in. I've spent, you know, the last probably five or six years studying uh, neurolinguistic programming, which is all about communication through nonverbals, so not language, but 
but uh, eye patterns associated with postural changes and all that. So, you know, that, that, that helps a lot because a lot of times we are completely, you know, we, you're completely speaking to each other and without, you know, without language. I could be very easy for someone who didn't speak English to tell if I was having a bad day or having a great day, just right. perceiving me. Right. Yeah, so, body language, of course. Yeah. So that's the, you know, so it, it just takes, uh, it takes time um, to learn that. I mean, it even takes, I mean, I mean, I've been married for eight years and I still learn things, you know, about my wife, you know, a couple of things a year that I didn't realize before. Well, no one knows me better than, than her and probably vice versa but you know there's parts of ourselves that we keep to ourselves and uh so you just got to be patient and you know and hope that the uh you know hope that the time lasts as long as it can because the better you get to know them the information just comes better it comes at the right time the timing's better the delivery's better and and that's really the key now when you do you ever have uh downtime with these guys. I mean, I know that they hire you because you present a particular uh, set of skills and they need work uh, in their on their craft. But is there is there a component of your relationship that is outside of work where you can let your guard down? Well, I'm not saying that your guard's up, but you, you're the teacher. You're the instructor. So you have a certain amount of time with them. Boom, you have to uh, get what you need to... Um, you have to communicate what you need to them. But is there a time where... You know, it's it's afterwards. You can you know let your guard down, have a beer, and just relax. Like, is that possible with your guys, and specifically Tiger? Yeah, no, I try to keep. You know, I mean, I'm I'm friends with all these guys, and and you know, the the old saying is like, you know, not not to do business with friends. Um, but you know, on the PGA Tour, when you're spending hours and hours and hours with each other, um, there's you couldn't work with someone. You couldn't really work with someone who wasn't. And, uh, you know, but I don't, you know, I don't, I might have the odd dinner with my guys, but, you know, we basically, once we leave the course, we go our separate ways. I mean, I would do, I would do anything for any of them if they called me and, and they were having an issue and I needed to fly there and help them. I mean, that would be no problem. I mean, I, I, I respect and admire and care about them a lot, but it's just, you know, the thing is you start spending too much time around each other. Um, you know, probably the things that you you know, things that if people hear your voice all the time, right. when you have when you have something important to say, it might, it might just slip by. So yeah, I just try to keep it. I just try to keep it separate. I mean, even guys on tour who have buddies on tour don't really go to dinner with each other. I mean, it's just kind of the golf world. I mean, you're, it's, you know, it's one of the few individual sports that that there is. So, um, you know, there's kind of a mindset and a mood and a, and a state that that goes with that. So, you know, I've been to. You know, I've been to a couple of my guys' sons' birthdays and stuff like that. But and we, you know, we like I said, there's a lot of respect and and care and admiration. But I personally like to keep it, uh, um, you know, separate and keep it and keep it business. But I would never work with someone. Uh, I would never work with someone that you know I didn't respect or I didn't kind of enjoy you know enjoy being around or I could learn from. I mean, that's the thing is I, you know, I have four of them and they have one of me. I, I would argue that I've learned a hell of a lot more from four of them than they have hmm. learned from me. So that's pretty interesting. Sean, who would you say is the funniest golfer on tour? The guy that like has all the one liners or he just he has that great sense of timing where it's like he could just walk into a group, just drop one line and then just walk away. Funniest guy on tour. Um. Funniest guy on tour. 
gosh, you know, I don't. Uh, uh, is, there, is everybody just real, the stiff upper lip dudes? No, 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 not keeps to themselves. Not, not, not at all. I mean, they're all very, they're all very different, actually, because you know they're different because you've got guys from the West Coast, you've got guys from the South, you've got guys from the East Coast, guys from the North. So they're they're all they're all different in that way, but. Uh, you know, as, as far as funny, you know, as far as funny guys go, um, Freddie Jacobson, who's a Swede, he's hilarious. Um, he, he's 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 a really funny guy, and but part of that just comes from how how deep his accent is. I mean, he, he from he Sweden. Makes, yeah, he makes he makes Darth Vader sound like Michael Jackson. Right? <laughs> um, Wait, so um, his voice is like like deeper than James Earl Jones's voice? Yeah, oh, you know, it's deep. It's, oh, wow. Um, you know, Nick Watney is a pretty funny guy. You know, but, but no one's like Chris Rock funny. I mean, I think fair, most, that's people, fair. Yeah. most people I find funny are just, we're all kind of funny by our own, like my kind of, like I'm, I, would, I would say that I'm many things, but I'm, you know, I'm definitely a clown and I'm neurotic. So my, when, I, when I'm <laughs> You're Larry super, David. Yeah when, I'm, yeah, when I'm getting neurotic, it's probably pretty funny to, to people, even though I'm not really humorous. It's just, you know. But yeah, that's about uh, that's about it, man. I you know I basically just go out there and pay attention to uh, pay attention to the guys who were uh, co-signing the paycheck, right? <laughs> nice. So, Sean, have you heard of this story? And it's it's brought to be huge in the states because we're hearing about it about this um, hurdler called Lula Jones, the American Lolo hurdler. Jones, Lolo, Lolo Jones, sorry, and that she just came out on Twitter. Wait, so which, she's a hurdler. Yeah, yeah an American hurdler, and she just came out, and she's thirty years old, going to the Olympics. And she's a virgin. And she said that staying a virgin is harder than training for the Olympics, and it's the hardest sacrifice you've, she's ever had to make. Have you heard this story yet? No. Okay. Have you ever? Because, you know, I played soccer, and guys, uh, boxers, you never ask the guys, okay, look, Masters this week, stay away from the wife or anything like that. You don't, you don't follow the rule of abstain? No, I don't even. <laughs> I don't even go there. I don't even... <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't watch television or anything, so I don't. I actually don't know what's going on in the world right now. I mean, there could be, you know, there probably could be a war somewhere, and I wouldn't know about it. Hey, you need um, to pay attention, Sean. What if, what if they blow up hey, a golf pay, course pay in your at? I mean, what are you gonna, what are you gonna pay attention to? You just, you know, history is written by victors of war. So I mean, you're just paying attention to someone's perception of the truth. So it's like, what's the use, you know? Hey, the truth could be someone could put something in your golf bag, okay? Blow your whole back out, all right? We just want to make sure they're aware of these things. Yeah, but, no, I, did, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that, and I guess, you know. It's a big story guess, for me I and guess, Cab. I, you know, I, I guess that, you know, it's a big story. That just goes to show us we're in 2012. I mean, we got, you know, especially in, in the United States, there's 20 million people. Uh, you know, there's, there's 20 million people uh, who are unemployed, another 7 million who can't find work. Okay, fine, fine. Okay, you're fine. Way, right. to bring, way to bring the interview down, Sean. Like, right? We're just talking about a version. Okay, so I think what Neil was getting at was, have you ever had to, like, uh, tell your guys to abstain? Like, hey, it's a big one coming up. Like, what have you ever tell, told guys to sacrifice certain, certain things before a big event? No, you know what? They're all playing for. They're playing for a lot of money, so they 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 know what they you know they know what uh, you know they know what they 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 should and and, and shouldn't do. What, what's the big? No, what, I, I stay out of that. What's the biggest thing that you've sacrificed uh, it, leading up to uh, an event? Is it a, a certain food? Is it uh, you know telling Kate like I need to be on the road? I can't come home because I need to be laser focused, like the Hubble telescope, because this thing is coming up. 
I think more than anything, I just, you know, the sacrifice of, the sacrifice of my job is, uh, you know, it's pretty much uh, every every nine, you know, every seven or eight days, I'm uh, I'm gone again. So, I'm, uh, you know, my wife and, and, and my two sons are uh, are here. So I think that's probably the biggest sacrifice is, is the traveling. And, you know, you're at home with your kids and your wife, and, you know, the older I get, you know, I realize that's really the only thing that matters. So sometimes I'm out on the road and I'm thinking, man, it's, you know, is this even worth it anymore? You know, I could be at home. You know, I could be working with 10 or 11-year-old kids and 12-year-old kids, and I could be doing, you know, doing that. And maybe eventually that's what I go back to doing. Um, but, you know, I think that's probably that's probably it more than, more than anything. But, you know, you just get out there and you can't think about it. And you can't, you know, you just get into your routine. And we Skype and we talk every day a few times. And, and uh you know, Quinn probably doesn't know any difference. It's always been like that. <laughs> Quinn, you know, Quinn likes it when you're not home. Because yeah, then no. Quinn gets to go to eat at McDonald's. Like, <laughs> it's like the reverse of like when our moms are away and our dads are like, yeah, man, what do you want tonight? Pizza? All right, let's have pizza. Because the mom is like the disciplinarian in the house. That's, it might be the reverse in your household. You have no idea. Yeah, no, it, 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 there's no way. There, there's no, there's, when, I, when I walk in, I still get the... Uh, when I walk in, his arms still flap, and he and he still hugs me for like two minutes without letting go. So I'm sure I probably only have like a year left of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, okay. So I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you out of here on this. If there comes a time where you are no longer working with Tiger Woods because of your resume, you you can basically only work with the top one percent of the top one percent of the top one percent. Like. You're, you're now, it's like, you can only work with the people that, like, are in the hashtag Kobe system. So on this, there, there's a potential client list I'm going to read for you. And then and then you let me know, like, if who has the great, which one of these clients has the, the best shot of working with Sean Foley, the greatest swing coach in the history of the Cabby Presents interviews? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, so there's Bono. There's, uh, as Neil mentioned before, Mark Zuckerberg. The Google Dudes. Uh, President Barack Obama, Sir Richard Branson, Michael Jordan, Will Smith, Bill Gates, and the guy that invented Cialis. Um, I'd probably say I'd, I'd have to go with, uh, I think I'd probably have to go with, uh, um, I think I'd have to go with Nas. With Nas? As in Nazir Jones, yes. <laughs> the MC? You know Nas knows yeah. nothing about golf? That, that, hey, that's fine, dude. I just love to hang with him, but I've been a fan since 1991. <laughs> dude, his song was called One Mike. It wasn't called One Putter. Hey, love, love, me some, love me some Nas. I mean, I'd like to meet, you know, I'd like to meet, uh, I'd like to meet Barack Obama. You know, I find him, uh, I find him to be, you know, in, in intellectually engaging, uh, engaging uh, guy so yeah I'd, I'd like to uh, i'd like to meet him and, and, and see what he's all about and what matters to him you know i'm sure that is not that meeting is not very far away because uh, as we've been talking about a little bit you are working with one of the most visible people in the world and could be one of the could be the greatest arguably the greatest athlete uh in the history of our time sean thank you for spending uh a lot of time with us and for the people that are listening um you know, that girl on the train or that guy on his bike or on the treadmill. It just it, thank you for all the knowledge, you know. And, and your brother, Kevin, is probably laughing as, as you've gone into your, uh, 
your philosophical uh, uh, lessons. You just can't help yourself. And it's awesome because when I listen to this again, I'm going to have to start writing some things down because you did drop a lot of nuggets, which you often do. So thank you for those. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's that line from uh, the line from escapism, you know, Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth, where Pete Rock, says, <laughs> Pete, Pete Rock says, my numbers changed and my house is a little fatter, but if you was real, you'd see that really doesn't matter. That's kind of, it's, um, there's, there's no reason to change, man. No, but it took, it takes, it takes long enough to find who, who you are, who you want to be that, uh, you can't let superficial things and fame and celebrity, because those are just given to you. And to, um, and to Bora, and taken away. Sorry about that. And to Bora, a line from CL Smooth, will they reminisce over you? They will, Sean. So um, keep it up, man. And, and uh, we all hope that uh, Tiger regains his form and uh, is back on the to- top of the world. And, and then you'll be right there. And, and, and uh, you know, and I don't know, we, we will see the... Uh, the the fruits of your work and and uh, it'll be it'll be it'll be awesome because I know a lot of people root for him as do we so thanks again Sean okay guys have a good evening we didn't get to, into it in as much detail as maybe we hoped but what's the thing that you sacrificed the most for uh, in anticipation or in uh, leading up to a a big event like this hurdler that's Lilo Lolo Jones. Just she, I, you know, I almost think that her and Tim Tebow will get together, and then just make these like these like biological like angels, a, a, angels, <laughs> and then these like super genetic like beasts of of athletic kids. But what's what's the thing that you gave you've given up? The biggest sacrifice you made? Oh, I've done the abstain thing all the time, not by choice, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> not by choice. Yeah, I've given up uh, to be uh, the late night before a game. That was always a big thing because you always think you can go out. If you played the next day at like 7 or 8, you think you can go out the night before. That was a hard one. And and for people that aren't familiar, you're talking about you're playing like collegiate uh, soccer? Yeah, like playing at Marshall and stuff. So you couldn't go out the night before. That, that was a big one. Not to abstain or anything like that. My my dude Lawrence, uh, who's here, uh, just handed me his phone. And there's a, there's a tweet that uh, the Jets taunted Tebow went by screaming Lolo, Lolo, when he walked into the locker room today. That's hilarious. So now it's in his brain. Now it has to happen. It's destiny. Lolo Jones and Tim Tebow. They have to get together. Are there any other famous virgins? No. Not like that. They're, they're, they, they might be the most famous virgins. Well, Tim Tebow is the most famous virgin. And it's confirmed he is a virgin? Well, I, I don't know. I think the, the, the website Ashley Madison offered somebody a million dollars for proof that Tim Tebow was not a virgin. I don't think they. I don't, even know how you I don't know that. if like million dollar prize has been given away, but it's out there. I've never sacrificed anything. I, oh, the basketball player. Oh, AC AC yeah. Green. Yeah. After he, well, with, after he finished playing, he got married. Yeah. And but he's no he longer was virgin. playing for the Lakers in the eighties and abstained the whole time. Yeah, that was a, that's that's a testament. And he, he retired when he was like forty two or something. Yeah. That's a long time. It was in L.A. Like it wasn't like he's playing in Minnesota, <laughs> L.A. with the Lakers. Yeah, like that was the, the Showtime yeah. Lakers. Like you think you would just, like God, they were, uh, Magic was a machine. He was. Listen, Neil, thank you for stopping by. I appreciate you co-hosting the show. If you want to read Neil's thoughts on Twitter, get on him at at the Neil Scott, all one word, T H E N E I L S C O T T. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at the real cabbie, T H E R E A L C A B B I E. We appreciate Sean's time. 
uh, and and definitely hope that uh, Tiger Woods can regain his rightful place as the number one golfer in the world because golf is so much more exciting when Tiger's in the hunt on Saturday and Sunday because as the casual fan of golf that I am, I know, Neil, you're a little bit more invested, but the casual fan, man, it's it's amazing when Tiger's in contention. So that's it for us. I'm Cabby, and I'm gone. Thank you for listening to Cabby Presents, the podcast.